You're listening to the Post-Apocalyptic Media Podcast. If it's post-apocalyptic, we're talking about it. Hello and welcome everybody to the Post-Apocalyptic Media Podcast. I'm Derek. I'm joined by Sean. Hey, everyone. Stephanie. Hello. And we have our special guest today, Alex Knapp. Hey, guys. We uh, we will get into full introductions for Alex and uh, and show you the cool new project he's been working on. Um, but first, at the top of the show, we have some announcements. First of all, welcome back. We've been on a, a bit of a sabbatical, about three weeks for um, holidays mm-hmm. and uh, prepping for the apocalypse. <laughs> and uh it's every day (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and especially uh especially recently but every day every day we're always uh what 15 minutes uh from nuclear apocalypse whatever that uh so yeah so we're close but um also uh they had to do stuff to my teeth so i haven't been able to replace these with bionic teeth or anything yet so Hmm. uh fingers crossed for 2021 (laughs) a few huge announcements here at the top of the show first of all i want to bring attention to our community we are building a community on discord if you want to hang out with us uh the people on this podcast we're in we're on discord uh at the in the post-apocalyptic media uh discord server we have links to that on our website we're pushing it out to the socials uh you know to be honest um Social media is a little overwhelming, and we've got Facebook over here and Twitter over there and Instagram over here, and it just is getting out of control. Uh, we're we're looking to uh, we're not going to abandon those places, but we're looking to kind of centralize where we're where we're joining together as a community and chatting about post-apocalyptic stuff. So, join us on Discord. And uh, just check it out. No pressure. You don't have to like say anything. You can just kind of be the the creeper in the corner, the just hanging out. Uh, and uh, and and we're gonna have a lot of fun over there. Um, also, big announcements right now. You should be watching post-apocalyptic TV right now. And by that, I mean you've got the stand, which is I don't know four episodes in. Really good. Big Stephen King book about the apocalypse we've got uh attack on titan final season and honestly i think it's the best season Uh, yeah so good (laughs) we've got uh expanse going on right now we can we can argue on discord over whether or not that's properly (laughs) post-apocalyptic um or fits in this genre but uh but it's going on and it's really good as well and uh the most important one in my opinion, Snowpiercer. Mm. Make sure you've set your DVR. Yeah. You're ready for it because it's going to be big, and uh, and I'm just really excited about it. So, uh, oh, okay, yeah, those are TV shows. We've got a one other announcement. Fallout: The Frontier is a mod for Fallout New Vegas, and it has been in the works for years. It's going to launch in three days. Actually, when you're listening to this podcast, it'll probably be the day that it launches. So look into that. If you have a PC or a PC gamer, uh, you have access to this uh, Fallout New Vegas mod. Also, you have to own 
New Vegas and all of the uh, every single one of the DLC. I don't know why, but that's just how it is. If I can get it to work correctly, I'm going to stream it probably this weekend. I think that'd be fun. That oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're just going to go ahead and and uh, announce that you're streaming that this weekend. Then. Yes. All right. <laughs> you're committed now. <laughs> all right. So uh, without further ado, we have Alex here. Alex um, is the, and correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, you're the writer, director, and star of yeah, co-producer. Go, Don't Go. Yeah, all, all of the above, for better or for worse. <laughs> so <Nope>. impressive. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is an indie film, correct? Yeah, yeah, get indie a, film, totally indie privately profits. financed. Um, through a few uh, financiers and executive producers that we brought on board early in the project. Excellent. How long have you been, have you been working on this project? Uh, a long time. Yeah, I originally kind of had the inspiration and idea for, for kind of the skeleton of what would become Go Don't Go probably about five or so years ago. Um, and kind of wrote a little short and a little outline and then me and a few colleagues actually went uh came up to upstate new york for a long weekend and we filmed like a little sizzle trailer kind of thing uh that was probably about four years ago and that was something we used along with the script and and a, and a kind of a pitch packet to um get investing and get other people involved in the project and, uh, and then uh, we got the green light and we started shooting probably about two and a half years ago. Um, we had a, you know, a month to six weeks of kind of principal production and we are in post-production for like a year, oh. year and a half. Um, and then we had the world premiere uh, in a film festival at the San Francisco Independent Film Festival uh, this time last year. And then cool. uh, got distribution cool. and, and, and here we are. Excellent. Well, uh, you know, let me say, uh, watch that yesterday uh, with Stephanie and we loved it. So uh, good. It, so uh, good. Yeah. It really had um, a lot of the uh, kind of features that, that sometimes I miss when I'm, I'm watching uh, independently produced movie. Like it had great cinematography. The lighting mm. was on point. The, uh, the score was excellent. And uh, and the acting, by the way, really really appreciated oh, cool. that. Yeah, um, awesome. I just I I can't say enough good good about it. And so uh, and so, on on that pitch, where can people access your movie? Uh, yeah, it just released uh, Tuesday, January twelfth, and it's available on iTunes, Amazon Prime, Vudu, Vimeo. Oh. uh it's on uh google google play microsoft playstation store and a bunch of cable on demand like comcast uh verizon oh. frontier so it's it's pretty much everywhere oh all right what's the what's the most lucrative way for people to access your movie? <laughs> uh i think i've been told the most important way at this point upon release is like amazon prime just because it has yeah. the most eyes on it and it kind of okay. has the best demographic and whatnot and it's you know in most people's living rooms so makes sense i guess that that's the one amazon prime yeah 
Nice. What I'm curious about is you said last year at this time you had, uh, it was, you know, at the film festival. Yeah. And then, so did the pandemic play any part in, in, you know, going from there to here or did it, was it just kind of good timing? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it did. It had a huge impact. So, so we, we had our world premiere, um, this time last year and we had a, a slate of festivals and we were able to play a few of them. We, we went from San Francisco, we played the, the Boston sci-fi film festival, which was awesome. Um, and, and oh, cool. a few others. And then March rolled around and obviously everything kind of stopped uh, yeah. and came to a standstill. And, you know, we had a bunch of festivals that we were in and that we were going to play that all kind of postponed and canceled and went virtual. Um, a few really big ones. Uh, we, the Manhattan Film Festival would have been huge for us. And we got into Berlin Sci-Fi, which is another really awesome big sci-fi film festival. Um, but, you know, so unfortunately that, that kind of didn't work out for us. And there was a period where we were, you know, pretty worried and things got a little dark for us, just thinking that we had kind of lost that momentum and who, you know, in March, April, May, no one knew what this was and how long this was going to go and how yeah. everything was changing. And so we definitely were a little bit down in the dumps and just thought, oh man, we got, we just got kind of screwed here and this is just bad timing for us. Um, but luckily we were kind of still working the, the phones and the emails and got connected, um, through a, a, a colleague of ours, um, Kyle Greenberg at circle collective was helping us kind of navigate the film festival world. And he, uh, got us in touch with the people at Kamikaze Dogfight, who, uh, had a kind of a distribution partnership with Gravitas and they saw the movie and they really liked it. Um, and that was in kind of like June, July, August. We uh, ended up inking a deal with them and, and uh, got set up for the, for the release here in the new year. So it definitely had a huge impact. It was pretty shitty at the start. Um, and I think, you know, yeah. for a lot of people who were making stuff and trying to create things and trying to build something, it just kind of all got frozen. Um, and we kind of got lucky and and just kind of made it out the other end. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point because, um, you know, you already had the filming done, you had all that stuff done. It was just ready mm. and kind of waiting. And, uh, there's a lot, of, you know, a lot going on now where a lot of these, a lot of people in the industry are, were put on hold, like you said, frozen, mm -hmm. even in filming, you know? And so now they're, and I imagine that kind of stuff. I always think about this. I imagine that would be weird you know, someone 10 months later, how much they've changed if you're going to resume filming, <laughs> you know, but, oh, but it's good that you, you know, you got all that taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely a level of continuity there. That would be an issue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, to, to add some context to Sean's question for, for our listeners, uh, this is a movie that addresses um, solitude mm -hmm. and the, the toll that that can take on you. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's something that, that we can, of course, you know, most of us relate to, uh, I guess, anti-maskers can't relate to the solitude, although maybe in, in some aspects, but, uh, but there is, there is a very real suffering that is going on, um, you know, because people aren't used to living like this. Yeah. And so, uh, th this movie really kind of speaks to that and, mm -hmm. uh, find it very relatable at a lot of points to I was what we've thinking been going that through. Too. Yeah, when yeah. we were watching it together, we commented on how that was like ex social distancing to the extreme. 
And yeah, I really think I, I encourage, you know, I encourage anyone listening to this to watch the movie because it's very good from a survival post-apocalyptic standpoint. And if you like mysteries, you know, not being sure what's happening, but, but also, like you said, Derek, people who have gone through you know social distancing who have struggled with isolation they're gonna feel a lot that they can relate to watching this and i think it's just gonna kind of speak to them in some ways it's just very good timing in that aspect you know yeah and that was that's frankly just something that's been kind of a happy accident um you know i again, you know, kind of came up with the idea years ago and we, we shot the film a few years ago. And really at that time, I was just kind of thinking about, you know, isolation and, and uh, be, being quarantined as this kind of, you know, surreal, not in our world kind of yeah. thing. And, and here we are for the last nine months, we've all been kind of locked in our houses. Um, and not being able to see people that we would want to see or do mm -hmm. things that we would want to do. And, and so there's an element there that's just kind of more topical and relevant than I could have ever even planned on. And I think a lot of that maybe just points to the idea that a, a lot of these feelings too are things that are just kind of universal and are inside of us. And sometimes it takes a crazy life event situation like we're in now to uh, to have those things come to the surface and kind of recognize them more. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you mentioned relatability and I think that's important when I'm watching the movie and I see how, you know, how you or how your character handles the apocalypse. I thought that was interesting because I think that I would probably do the same thing. I would mm -hmm. still do my normal stuff. You know, I would still, I mean, he, I don't know if I would go to work and clock in still, but, uh, you know, but your character does that and he's still, he's a mechanic. So he still works on cars and he still does these things. He even still calls himself to, you know, to, to make it seem like he's calling someone saying your car, you know, I got to work on your car a little bit longer. Yeah, I love that. He's actually calling himself and leaving a message <laughs> on his own machine. And the, it's little details like that. I love. And the whole light bulb thing mm -hmm. that caught me off guard because it was, it was great you know i saw he had okay so to explain a little bit this isn't any any kind of spoiler i don't think but you know he has a book of light bulbs that he goes around the neighborhood and he checks them off it, when they burn out and he, he tests them all and he has keys to all the the uh houses and then you see a little bit later he has a graveyard and you you think well maybe that graveyard is the people from the houses no it's not it's the light bulbs from the houses <laughs> You know, I mean, I don't think that's a spoiler, but I think that that's, it's one of those things that uh, you wouldn't expect it. You know, when you yeah. see it, you're like, oh, you know, it's just one of those little things. I, I yeah. love it. And there was elements there of like, um, I think people underestimate how like ritualistic we are as yeah. humans and like how much of a routine we want. And mm -hmm. Adam really, when there's no one around, he's trying to hold on to a sense of humanity and a mm. sense of community. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, if you were the last person alive and there's no more community, there's no more society. And there's so many of those things that make us feel human and connected uh, to other people, but also kind of to ourselves. And it's like, how quickly would you just evolve to being, um, you know, like a meat eating animal or something where you're, you know, 
just like a back in hunter sur survivor mode or mm -hmm. how would you try to maintain a sense that there are these things that connect you to other people even if they aren't there so so the light bulb burial thing was like you know there's no people for him to bury and there is kind of a natural mourning mm -hmm. that all of us need in our lives for everything and this is that was one way for him the, these light bulbs in these houses represent the people in the houses that mm. have burned out and um him burying those is like just kind of a continual way for him to kind of mourn those those people that aren't there yeah is is adam losing his mind in the film uh yeah for sure 100 percent. yeah i mean he he is and i think you know again it's like at what point in isolation do uh you know the, i i remember reading a study when i was writing the script of like what's the quickest way to go insane mm. like if you wanted to induce insanity into someone and it's like sensory deprivation sleep deprivation isolation like lock mm. them in a black mm. box with no sound no noise no nothing and don't let them sleep and it's like 36 <laughs> hours mm. you know it's like people oh. the mind will just within 36 hours people the your brain will just start to create things and create a new reality to try to keep you alive you know mm. and uh and so there's an element of that of just like at what point in this kind of isolation do you start to you know, it starts with talking to yourself and and being paranoid and seeing things that aren't there, and it turn maybe turns into other things. And and really, this journey that we're with Adam on for, you know, really the movie just takes place over the course of a handful of days. Really, you know, um, and this is kind of the tipping point of him going off the edge. Mm. Um, you know, I I like to think of it as like maybe he's been living this way for a year or two and here we are we enter the film at right at this time where things start to kind of really spiral downhill for him mm -hmm. hmm. which yeah, by the way i was just gonna say sean i have an idea for your next twitch stream oh okay 36 hours <laughs> you want to watch me go insane on yeah. live on yeah. twitch <laughs> It might only take like 20 for me, I think. I think I'm pretty close. Oh yeah, we don't know how close you actually are. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, and and here, here's where we get into the mystery aspect that I wanted to ask a question about. Um, his girlfriend, uh, clearly he experienced something with her that left him with a lot of baggage. Um, the memory where she's being drug away is that a is that a real memory or is that something in his insane mind that's metaphorical yeah um you know in general i think we definitely as as you can probably tell from watching the movie we we liked the idea of leaving quite a few things kind of opaque and uh up for interpretation mm -hmm. and so you know, we play with this idea of, of his insanity and, and him being kind of a untrustworthy narrator. You know, you're, you're watching the movie through his eyes. So you're, what you're seeing and, and, and what he's seeing is real to him. Um, and we don't give you that om, omniscient perspective of what's truth. 
because the movie's about his truth, you know? Mm. Um, and on that specific moment, you know, to me, that is uh, something happened to her, you know? She, she did get taken away and whether or not that's, you know, a literal, she got yanked away by some sort of creature or, or some sort of force or, or if that's just kind of the visual representation of how he feels about it mm. is kind of purposefully left up to that interpretation. I will say uh, when we were editing the film with my editor, um, Colin Davis, who's awesome and he's a professional editor, he's edited a, a few features and he's a great director in his own, in his own right. Um, and was someone that really helped kind of shepherd the finished product of, of the film um, through, through the editing process. We would joke a lot about uh, kind of this exact scenario of like, what are people gonna think it was? Uh, and for us, we would joke a lot about it being, we had a joke about giant crabs, like, oh, <laughs> giant crabs that just kind of pluck yes. people out of the air or <laughs> giant uh, queen spiders that grab people and take them underground. And there's giant, uh, you know, spider webs in tunnels under the earth with all the people there. Um, and so I, I think any of, or, 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 you know, or again, it's maybe just kind of a leftover situation where it's, you wake up one day and, and everyone's kind of gone. And that mystery of what happened to everyone is not necessarily ever resolved. Um, mm -hmm. those were all, those are all valid to, mm. to us. Um, and maybe that to some people is like a cop out. It's like, well, which one was it? You wrote the movie. You should know the answer. I mean, I definitely have the ones that I think that I believed were maybe more true than others that kind of allowed me to make the movie a certain way. Um, but I, I, we like the idea of, of any of those are valid, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like pick your poison. Um, so yeah. Very George R. R. Martin type of uh, approach and answer. So I appreciate <laughs> that. He's a great storyteller. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's so fascinating. Like, just I, I love that when uh, movies or shows, you know, keep you guessing, and and there's this mystery that you're trying to figure out, and and the way it just kind of led me down this path of thinking different things at different times, you know, and and yeah. just wondering, you know, okay, well, something definitely happened otherworldly because there's no one here, and so we know for sure that there are certain things that aren't completely in his head. <laughs> but then there's so many other questions. And then like Derek said with her, I just kept the whole time. I kept going back and forth, like between she was actually taken or he caused her disappearance, you know, for lack of a better word, you mm -hmm. know, he was the one who caused it. And I, I don't even know personally, which fence, you know, which side I feel more strongly about. Cause I feel like there's enough evidence either direction. And some of those memories he would have of her, it would just be kind of random. And I was like, is this a clue? Hmm. Or <laughs> is this just, he, he's just imagining things still. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say, did he cause this, uh, that phrase specifically, there was a version of that scene that what we call kind of like the nightmare dream nightmare scene. Um, uh, an original version of that scene and in the script uh, actually had a song with lyrics to it. Uh, it's this, this song uh, by the, the artist Daughter. 
and uh, it's this kind of sad song that she's singing about kind of this uh, essentially like a breakup that had been just kind of burned to the ground. And, and she ends the song by this phrase, and you cause this, and you cause this, and you cause this, as it kind of oh. echoes out. Yeah. And at the end of that scene where the camera pulls away from him when he's in the road with the, the smoke and the flare, that was going to kind of ring out um, over and over again. But, you know, sometimes you don't have the money to get the songs <laughs> you want, and you got to do something else. But um, that was definitely something we were, we were playing with as well um you know what was his role in all of this and how much can you trust him just giving you the explanation that oh she disappeared she's gone mm-hmm. um you know and and playing with that you know a little bit more and, and and then kind of as we go through the film maybe calling some of his judgment into question and maybe you know he has done some things that are a little bit more nefarious or, or, or strange. Yeah, I know like Derek had a theory at one point that like he had seen, like he'd been confronted with the truth and couldn't handle it. And so he was preventing himself from finding it again. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting theory too. It's just, just so many things. It's great. Yeah, I have so many theories. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> I have a feeling that that's, that's the purpose of this movie, you know, where it's like, to, to see how many theories you can develop. And, and like you said, you flip flop back and forth. You, you see, you say, okay, I know for sure he's the last man on earth and everyone else is gone. And then five minutes later, you're like, okay, maybe he's not, maybe he's, <laughs> maybe right? he's imagining all this. And then it flips, it just goes back and forth. And I think that's, that's the main thing about this movie that makes it so great. I think. Yeah, no. And def- and part of that, I mean, that's a hundred percent true that that was by design. And, and part of that is because, when you make a movie that's 90 minutes long that stars one dude who doesn't really have anyone to talk to, you have to keep things interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to find creative ways to push, push the story along and keep people engaged. And so I really liked playing with this idea of, you know, making you believe something and then I'll subvert it with the next scene. Now you think this other thing, and now you're not really sure. And then I'll show you two other things that make you think it's this other thing, but then I'll show you that that wasn't actually true. Um, and, mm-hmm. and you're going through that process the same way he is. You know, he, he's not sure what he's seeing, what's true, what's not true, what, what's happening in front of him. Um, and that, you know, we, we just kind of just, found that almost out of necessity to try to make this story um, be able to still be pushed along and be interesting um, while it was, you know, a, you know, kind of a, a one, a one person journey. Yeah. And I like there, there is a, a clear theme that you develop with, um, I think I first got hint of it in the podcast when, you know, the podcast is talking about not living in the past. And, um, you know, even from the beginning of the movie, he's hanging out in this small town, fixing these, you know, these old cars that aren't impressive. And it's like, this guy needs to move on. You know, if you have the run of the earth, why are you going to stay in this little town and fix light bulbs? Like, um, but, you know, and and then it kind of grows into something more where we get the storyline with the, with the girlfriend and uh and him having to let go and even then i loved how um 
it didn't feel satisfying when he lets her go you know it's like mm. it, the camera kind of stays on her for a moment and she's just kind of there and, and it's almost like um when you really let something go, you, you really move on from something you don't get this instant gratification you're like i accomplished it i've moved on you know it's still kind of there lingering and mm. you've got to learn how to just move and um yeah. and not keep going back to it yeah and he he's definitely stuck you know in in a lot of ways and he he's he's stuck in the past he's stuck in the life that he thought he was going to have he's he's kind of stuck in his ways and stuck in his habits and 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 uh that's a lot of kind of what the film and his journey is about is is what is it going to take for this guy to um to kind of move forward and and unstick himself a little bit and and sometimes the uh the big shove comes from you know you going a little crazy and being faced with you know your own kind of demise and that maybe is what it takes um and yeah and that podcast uh uh yeah we tried to kind of sprinkle these kind of subtle things and themes uh through that and not everyone picks up on that podcast or even is able to kind of make out what 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 he's talking about but um yeah just kind of about nostalgia and and being stuck in the past and and that happens to people even in not in a apocalyptic scenario you know there's there's people who um kind of find themselves yeah. stuck somewhere and and for whatever reason kind of unable to move uh move forward in in their life and also just kind of with the times and things like that so absolutely yeah i, I think that's a universal message uh that just about every human being deals with um the death of what they hoped their life would be and um and sometimes it takes a long time i i mean gosh i know in my life there are things i i didn't let go of for years and it can be a paralyzing thing um it can undermine your progress uh in all other areas of life so I, yeah i think that's a really strong message and now that you mentioned the nostalgia i i you know i i think about like all the nostalgic things in the movie the um old school style uh, answering machine and the uh, CRT television and, and all these things that, um, you know, made me feel like, oh, is this like in the early 2000s or something? Like, when, <laughs> when, when do I need to place this in the timeline? Yeah, I was wondering about that too, the, the timing, the timeline. Yeah, and it's funny because you brought up at the beginning of the show, uh, Fallout that new fallout uh mod coming out and something like fallout i played fallout 4 a few years ago and i loved this that it has this kind of timeless feel because it is futuristic but there's so many old school uh things in it and like mechanisms and and it plays with this you know because it's like frozen in time and then fast forwarded into the future so it's like you yes. have these old steampunk machines and things still run on carburetors but you are hundreds of years in the future and and there's also laser guns or what you know so it's like <laughs> i love you know something like bioshock 2 plays with that too and there's this and what that does is it creates this element of time timelessness like it's it's uh it's it's present but it's also past and there's maybe even a few nods to the future and therefore it can kind of exist whenever it's like you add these little you know he doesn't 
he doesn't have some super futuristic smartwatch. He's watching movies on a VHS player, you know? <laughs> um, and we liked throwing in a handful of those to give people that feeling and to make that question there. Like, when is this? Like, is this 2010? Like, who sells a VHS player even in 2010? Like, where would he find this? And then it's also something like, okay, well, these are all like a lot of these are found objects, you know, and just things mm. that he could fix. You know, it's like, he may not know how to fix a Blu-ray player, but he may be able to physically fix a VHS player because it's just simple, simpler machinery. Um, and so there were elements of that there too. And that was all kind of, yeah, by design to give that feeling and, and to echo him kind of just being, again, kind of being stuck in kind of the old, the old ways in a way. Yeah, that, that is a big part of the fallout. Um draw for me i think you know when i first discovered it it was like fallout two or something no it was fallout one i was in it at fallout one and, and there was like this commercial where they're showing this car and it's like no electronics is like one of the selling points of the car and it's this mm -hmm. this strange thing you know for for young me well when computers are just starting to get popular to see that but um i've since kind of kind of got the feeling that you know it when the nuclear bombs were first, um, you know, a threat to humanity and people started making movies about it was the 50s and the 60s. And so there's that natural aesthetic. And then when people made modern movies about it, they made callbacks and, you know, and then we get alternate timelines uh, like Fallout introduces. But um, uh, yeah, I, I really love that idea of, you know, it really makes you think too of, how human history could have gone differently if uh, people had been more liberal in their use of nukes uh, over the years and, and uh, how fragile this experiment and the society that, that we're living through uh, really is. Um, yeah. Well, uh, if there, uh, without, without any questions, if there, are there any other uh, discussions related to the movie before we move to a new topic? Well, I was curious, like, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about uh, Fallout, and I was curious about any other inspirations you had from movies, TV mm -hmm. shows, games, any of that kind of stuff to, you know, to get you to this point in your life where, you know, you made this, this movie. Yeah, we had tons of inspirations uh, and that kind of a big log of references, uh, sp specifically movies, um, kind of for a lot for like different aspects of the film. Um, you know, a big one for me was uh, the movie The Rover mm. um, with Guy Pierce, which is just kind of this post-apocalyptic Australia. Uh, and it's, you know, Guy Pierce and Robert Pattinson kind of get teamed up and have to kind of go on this strange meandering uh, kind of weird mystery adventure. Um, something like The Road as well, you know, and just liking how kind of dark and subtle and slow those kinds of movies can be um and then you know even yeah. the big ones like something like i am legend it's like you know what when i think about i am legend and, and compared to our movie what i wanted to do is you know in something like i am legend you have this it's like okay an ex-marine is also a biochemist mm -hmm. and he's the last person alive and he's gonna fix it and he's gonna solve it and he's gonna make the cure and he's gonna shoot his way out of these situations and i thought okay well what if that had happened and the last person alive is just kind of a shy 
dude <laughs> who doesn't have a plan and he's not going <laughs> to fix it yeah. and mm-hmm. he's not he wouldn't even know where to start like he's not he hasn't seen all the post-apocalyptic movies he's not like a some like trained survivalist like he he's not prepared for this and he's much more concerned with just like not killing himself and not Mm. like going insane and just thinking about this girlfriend that he will never see again in the life that he'll never have and that's that's it like that's kind of all there is um that just rang a little bit more like true to me and also made I couldn't really think of a movie I'd seen that was like that. So I felt like there was maybe something there. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's such a great take on it. Just this idea of the the regular Joe (laughs) being the last person and not someone with super special abilities that, you know, they always end up portraying. And you, uh, you had also mentioned leftovers earlier, which I kind of thought about a little bit while, um, watching the movie and it, it it felt like it had some elements of that i remember at one point feeling like this is kind of like what would happen you know if if you know if the theory that the people on leftovers you know if some of them were brought somewhere else you know <laughs> like here's yeah. what happens when there's all, nobody left and it, but just the feeling and the angst and everything kind of reminded me a little bit of that show too yeah, no, that was definitely something we were thinking about. And just a lot of those kind of tones and, and vibe and and being in those more, you know, a lot of times in these stories and these movies, those are kind of like fleeting little moments. Mm. You know, you'll get one scene of someone maybe going a little stir crazy or reminiscing about the past, you know, or it's it's just kind of used as a some kind of, you know, very obvious plot device or something and and with this film i really wanted to like sit in those feelings and like sit in them for a long time and that's what this is about it's you know it's not just a little fleeting moment of nostalgia like that's the whole that's he lives in this all the time yeah it was very very well done (laughs) i said that before but definitely you know anyone listening to this podcast should check it out because you're gonna like it. You like apocalypse. You're gonna like this one. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, and it's oh, sorry, go for it. Oh, I I was gonna say, um, I noticed. You know, I, I watch a lot of uh, short films on YouTube and uh, apocalyptic, and most of them are. You know, there's a good chunk of your movie where you were just kind of venturing out, and and you know, walking around and kind of doing that thing, which is you see a lot. But the fact that you started the movie out showing before all that you know where he meets the girl and he has his friend and they're at the bar so you get brought into this his life first and you get to see how he's a shy person and you get to see how he you know he's not really out for you know being that social and then he gets kind of thrust into the situation Mm -hmm. so what i'm saying is i think you did a great job of showing that personality off the bat without starting like so many other of these movies start with just a wandering guy you know out in the woods so i think it worked really well yeah and that first scene we kind of wanted to almost uh going back to what we were talking about you know 10 15 minutes ago we wanted to show you kind of a movie that felt uh like you've seen before and you're like okay i know that this is a meet cute Mm -hmm. of like a shy guy and an outgoing girl and here's them at the bar and it's 
and then and kind of get you a little comfortable for a couple minutes and what you maybe think this movie is going to be and then we kind of rip that away from you yeah. and it's like no that's not what this movie is and you're not going to get really any more of that and that's that's you know not, and this is about not the world is not that anymore um and so you know just again playing with that kind of push and pull and and juxtaposition of what you expect it to be and, and, and what it ends up being and yeah that that opening scene for us has been great to kind of give people a backstory and and give you a glimpse of of what life was and who this person was but then kind of very quickly rip that away from you and and not let you have the rest of that romantic comedy or, or whatever it is you know yeah yeah, and it, it was well done. You know, there was um, there was even character development as far as the shyness goes. You know, I noticed in the bowling alley scene, he starts to come out of his shell and dance in public and stuff, but everybody's gone. You know, she's not yeah. there to appreciate that he's doing that. And uh, it just kind of walks you emotionally through mm -hmm. the, uh, the disappointment that nobody else is there to, you know, appreciate this. Or yeah, he they? would have never, never done that with uh at a buddy's birthday party or something you know he just would have never allowed himself to to go there yeah um all right well uh so moving to a different topic we just released our 2020 um post-apocalyptic media awards the boomies mm -hmm. if you will and um we chose the top show of the year, and it was a contentious decision, I would say. <laughs> um, there, there was no, no consensus at the, at the uh, offices of post-apocalyptic <laughs> media. But um, I want to get, get your take, Alex. Um, I'm going to give you five shows. You tell me which one was your favorite. Okay, I'm ready. Snowpiercer. <laughs> Raised by Wolves, Brave New World, The Stand, Walking Dead World Beyond, Adventure Time Distant Lands. Nice. I haven't seen all of those, uh, and a few of them are on my list. I haven't gotten into The Stand yet. Um, and so out of the ones you've mentioned that I've seen, it would probably be Snowpiercer. Um, uh. I like the, the feature <laughs> quite a lot and it's um, um, such a kind of interesting um, new take on on kind of a post-apocalyptic world in the way that you know the movie I thought was just incredible the way it as just like of a structural thinking about like being a screenwriter and stuff and how you would structure a movie and like it's so video game-esque in like the levels of the train car that you're moving up and, and the different almost like boss battles and, and, and elements to it there and, and how yeah. it's kind of such a linear progression um, and it just kind of works so well there. And I was super interested to see how they were gonna kind of take that part of the movie and, 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 and add that to the show. And, and they didn't, you know, obviously didn't do it one-to-one -one and, and you have to kind of expand that story to a whole season arc or multiple seasons. Um, but I, I love how contained it is. And I think that's kind of a super interesting 
kind of take on take on it like even like with my movie it's like you have all of the world and all of the space and we really play with that amount of vastness and space and something like Snowpiercer is kind of the opposite it's like mm -hmm. they're on yeah. this train and that's it and you can move forward and backward and that is that is it you know mm -hmm. um, so that would be my choice yeah, the, the fragility of the human race in, in Snowpiercer is, is such a great selling point. And, um, you know, the, the movie I had mixed feelings with, you know, one, one little thing can kind of uh, sour me on something and um, wasn't satisfied with the ending of, of the movie. Uh, but, but I think that was by design. I, I think that uh, they want me to be unsatisfied with the way things ended up. Um, but with the TV show, they've, they've really found a way to, to pull me in and to bring those ethical quandaries to the forefront in a way that uh, is accessible to a lot, a lot of different ideologies probably approaching the show and, uh, and not really give us the right answer. And, uh, and I appreciate that. I, you know, I like that moral gray uh, questioning searching part to Snowpiercer so <laughs> so all right all right well Snowpiercer wasn't my vote but <laughs> it's very good <laughs> but the census the consensus is uh is clearly in favor of Jennifer Connelly and uh Snowpiercer in general uh Sean do you have a uh, a topic that you have lined up for this week um well I, let's see, I did a lot. Like since last we, we recorded, I've seen so many TV shows <laughs> and it, I actually started watching Walking Dead again, you know, mm, nice kind of get in, in preparation for this last season here. So we started, my wife and I started, um, and what we do is we basically watch the show after the kids go to bed. And so we usually have like, a, you know, two hours or so to kind of watch these and, so we started season one, like right maybe beginning of December or something like that. And we're already midway through season seven. We can't stop watching. Like we what? sacrifice sleep to, to watch more of this. We really, oh, we're really wow. getting back into it. And it's funny because we're right at that part where, um, you know, they bring in uh, Gabriel or Ezekiel and then they bring in um, Jesus, the Jesus guy. And this is where we stopped watching it last time because oh. after Glenn, you know, we, yeah, we stopped. We were like, we're not watching this anymore. And, uh, and I think that happened to a lot of people. I mean, there's, there's yeah. literally I've read reviews from big sites like Forbes and stuff like that, where they had a, a walking dead reviewer guy who, who said, I'm not writing about walking dead anymore after Glenn. <laughs> you know? Really? Yeah. And, and wow. so, so I think it's a pretty, it happened to a lot of people. But anyway, so we're past that now. And we're, we're healing. And, <laughs> and we're, we're watching the we're about midway through season seven and i think once we get past this i hear because we never watched we're, we're in new territory now you know this is new frontiers so once we get past this i hear that it gets a lot better in season eight so we're really looking forward to that and we're hoping to get it done in time which we, we won't get it done in time to, to watch the very you know the finales and stuff but for season 10 but uh, we're trying to catch up. We're trying to do that. So that's basically what we've been doing nonstop. Well, wow. <laughs> since, we, since we have a, a filmmaker on the podcast, uh, I want to pontificate a little bit on what you just said. Um, you quit after the Glenn 
episode and you feel like a lot of people did um certainly it was visceral what what did they do wrong with that scene that caused or did was it wrong like were, were you wrong to quit watching it because of that scene you know what i'm i'm asking is like you know what could they have done better uh you're talking to me yeah okay i'm throwing it to the well group. i th I mean, honestly, it was more my wife. My wife was a big Glenn fan and she's like, I'm not watching this. And I wasn't going to watch mm -hmm. it without her. Um, so it didn't, you know, it didn't really affect me that much. Um, but I think the, the big thing is they teased his death so many times. Mm -hmm. They kept having him trapped, you know, he was trapped under the that dumpster. body. Yeah, the oh. dumpster scene. And then, so, the and dumpster. then they did it again. And they, yeah, they, they just kept doing it. And then when it finally happened, you're like, I feel like that was that was like the pinnacle. Like they kept leading up to that, and then it finally happened. And you're like, where do we go from here? And then they started throwing in like immediately that same episode, or the the season one of or uh, episode one of season seven, they immediately introduced new characters, a new area, all this stuff, and it was just too much. You know, I mm -hmm. to me, I think that was just too much. And that, yeah, I think I, 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 I fell off probably even a little bit before that. I think I watched the first five or six seasons and, and I know what was tough for me and, and which I, I don't envy the situation they were in because, you know, you, there's such high stakes in that show. It's like anyone could die in any episode, you know, yeah. and that is the tension and the stakes and the conflict that drives the whole thing. And, and so then you spend all these seasons and all this time getting invested in these characters and they just do such good work building building the characters and you like you like this person because of this and this person because of this and you've spent so much time with them and inevitably some of them have to go you know because if you don't kill them off then pe people get hip to the idea that there is really no conflict here and that it's it's kind of a mirage because you're not going to kill any of these people off you know mm -hmm. yes. um so there's that kind of how do you do that and how do you do that well um and and then yeah you know so it's like also kind of like the boy who cried wolf kind of mm -hmm. element of like you tease all these characters deaths so many times yeah. and then you finally kill one and it's kind of like uh like all right I, yeah and so maybe you're a little bit dissatisfied or something mm -hmm. or and yeah you feel like okay well they finally killed the guy so like that's it yeah and, and then to piggyback again it's like then they kind of have to add new characters to replace those people and just kind of evolve the show and evolve the story and, 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 and bring new characters in from the comic books and whatnot. But then you're kind of almost feel like you're stuck in this, like, uh, Oh, I have to do this all over again. Like I've got, I just went through six <laughs> yeah. seasons of like loving these people and they're dead. And like the show is hard to watch sometimes. And like, now I have to do it all over again yeah. with these new people that I don't know. And so all of that together can sometimes just be like, all right, um, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll add, I think they did it in, in too episodic a way, you know, the, the cyclical factor was there because I'm, I'm thinking I'm comparing this to game of Thrones mm -hmm. where, um, when, when their characters die, it changes everything oftentimes and you're pulled back in you know yes you're repulsed that you just followed this person and you were rooting for them and now they are dead and everybody they love is dead but you're pulled in by the mystery of what's what's going to emerge from this mm. whereas the walking dead has um fairly consistently 
killed characters that don't change everything you know or it's the villain that you're just expecting you know this cycle to complete and the villain gets gets uh gets canned so yeah with glenn a lot changed but at the same time it, it was kind of this cyclical well now we know who the new villain is you know how are they going to beat this one hmm. kind of a situation but uh you know i, I like that I like what Negan represents. Um, I've always felt like, uh, like you know, the the movie Seven Samurai, mm -hmm. also the Magnificent Seven, and I think there's been more, you know, remakes of it. But you know, it's the story of this little village, and they they um, there's bandits who are requiring money or or food or something from them, and they hire some outsiders to come protect them. Um, you know that's a relatable story in in many ways like throughout the history of humanity but it's not relatable how it concludes like through the history of humanity what happens is those bandits become bigger and more powerful and they kill the little warriors that, that you hire and they punish you for hiring them and then they become a nation like that's that's happened over and over in the history of humanity so i like that negan comes in and uh you know, people are pissed off that he killed Glenn, but it's also kind of merciful what he does. Like he could have wiped them all out easily. He proves that he could, but he lets them live because he wants subjects for his empire. Yeah. And um, I really liked how they how they turned that, and it wasn't uh, you know it wasn't so so clearly black and white at least for a time in that storyline. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I, I won't spoil it for Sean and, and how, how that ends up. <laughs> Thank you. I hope I did. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're you're it through season seven. My gosh. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Are you watching any of the spinoffs? No, uh -uh. maybe a little too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's too much right now. Well, uh, Stephanie and I are really getting into Attack on Titan. Oh yeah. It's um, so, so good. It's, it's something changes fundamentally that in the fourth season that really prevents us from talking about it too openly. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for anybody who is going to watch it, it would be, it would really harm their enjoyment. I think of the first three seasons. Um, but uh, they they really have leaned into this philosophy of warfare and um, propaganda uh, in a way that I think is is really uh, timely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'll yeah, put it that very, way. Very timely. It's... You can watch it all on Hulu. Attack on Titan. You can watch Walking Dead on uh, Netflix, right? Uh, yeah, it's also on, I think it's on Amazon. I'm trying to think which one we, we watch on Netflix, but it's all, it's on, there's even a Pluto, uh, station that plays it just random episodes, like, Pluto. like the old days of live TV. So. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Steph, I'm sorry. I cut you off. Were, were you going to add something about uh, attack on Titan? <laughs> oh, you know, I can always talk forever about attack on Titan. But, um, I, but you're right. Like there's not much we can really talk about 
specifically in the context of this podcast is we don't want to spoil anybody but i've been uh i've been writing articles anime only articles um for people and we i talk a lot about you know obviously that's talking about episodes and things that happen so if you're listening to this and you like attack on titan and are currently watching it then come check out my articles where we don't worry about spoilers except no manga spoilers because i haven't read that don't want to be spoiled but it's all really right. good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could talk about that all day. <laughs> I I'm glad I'm glad you're going to be playing the Fallout uh, game, Sean, because um, I'm obsessed with Wasteland Three right now, and I can't stop. I'm like I'm like getting in there uh, every moment I can, which isn't a lot. I'm so busy. I think we're all really busy. It, COVID I'm busy watching introduced... Walking Dead. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, binge watching has become uh, non-optional at this point in the in the lockdown. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with Wasteland Three. Oh, by the way, everybody, I'd suggest not playing Cyberpunk yet unless you have a PC that can handle it. Mm. Um, I've I recently redid my research and realized uh, they haven't released their next gen. The next gen version of it so even if you have the next gen console you're not playing the release for that console you're playing an old gen release really? and that's part of why the graphics are you know are such a problem for people but even that's really buggy if you have the old xbox and you're playing that it's buggy so uh just just a word of advice maybe wait a little bit if you're a console only player um i actually i have the ps5 and i just beat cyberpunk no. no, no. <laughs> Everyone liked you up until this point. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. Wow. I don't know if you want me to give a little review, but yeah. Yes, lay it on us. So yeah, I lucked into a PS5. I woke up uh, and went to Walmart at five in the morning, like three days in a row, and uh, got some intel from a guy who worked there, and and happened to snag one. Nice. Uh, of, uh, about a month ago. Uh, it was like a week-long process of trying to get one. Um, and then, yeah, we have obviously, like everyone, been very excited for Cyberpunk. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the number one thing is, yeah, even on PS5, I mean, on PS5, the graphics are, are pretty good. You know, if, if you've, you're hooking it up into a, with like a high-speed HDMI cable into a TV that has like HDR or like a 4K TV, it looks... It still looks pretty good. I definitely can see where what the next level would be. It kind of looks like, I mean, it's comparable to something like The Last of Us 2, where it's like, it's like this is the highest end of what a last gen game could kind of look like. It, it is, is comparable to what it looks like. Um, but yeah, the game was just insanely buggy. Like I would, I would, really? I would say it probably, it would full crash on me probably about every two hours no uh, oh my yeah God. so That's just miserable. having like having like five different save files and saving every five minutes and just like before you enter or exit anywhere important you're saving and um so that and that just be kind of came part of the the game experience like it would be a thing where like i'd be playing up till like one in the morning and the game would crash and i'd be like all right that's a sign from god like i'm <laughs> going to bed <laughs> and uh and you know i think obviously the aesthetic to me it's very similar to uh gameplay wise it's actually very similar to something like outer worlds 
which is by I think some of the same creators of the original Fallout game. I think it's a Obsidian yes, game, yeah. um, and uh, it kind of reminded me of that as far as like gameplay and how you are interacting with NPCs and a lot of the dialogue choices. So and and so by extension, kind of similar to a Fallout in that way. Hmm. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much of kind of like a hardcore RPG it is. Like it's much less action adventure than it is like grinding and talking to people and then getting in like a 45 second gunfight and then mm. having to go somewhere else to talk to someone to grind so it's it's much more of kind of a classic R R rpg kind of adventure game in that way interesting um, oh, good. and i like i liked it um you know glitches and and mm -hmm. things and being buggy aside I thought what it lacked, frankly, for me was like a level of heart. Mm -hmm. Like it just, I wasn't like, I never felt like emotionally invested in the main character or really, and I started, would start to feel emotionally invested into like the side characters in the story. And then they would never give you that. Like you would just mm -hmm. be like, oh, I really like this person. I want to see how, what, maybe they have more missions and I can be friends with them and there's different branches of us doing stuff. And then it was like, some, you'd kind of never talk to them again. And so there was, mm -hmm. a, I think quite a bit left on the table with just like the story of you getting invested into the person you're playing and the other characters that they're connecting with and getting missions from. There, it would just kind of lacked a little bit of that kind of emotional pull, I think. Um, hmm. And then the last thing I'll say is that, you know, I, I think from from my play experience and talking to friends who've played it and, and reading a, other people's reviews and stuff, it seems like the different kind of choices of the character you want to be and and who you want to start as at the beginning, like they just don't have as far reaching of an impact as I think a lot of us would hope they would. You know, I think in a perfect world, you play Bummer. a game like that and you're like, hey, the decision I'm making at the beginning of who I am and the kind of backstory I'm going to have, like, that's going to be, I'm going to play a totally different game than this other person. Yeah. Right. And it's just, that's just not the case. Like, it kind of changes the first couple hours of the game and then it basically gives you a hand, like, a handful of different conversation choices throughout the game. And that's kind of, kind of all there is to be different than one of the other backstory choices interesting yeah so that's that's, that's my that's my review but that being said i did put like you know 100 hours into it and beat every side mission and got every <laughs> wow. did everything and got a did, i liked being in the world and i thought it was cool and you know wanted to give it a give it a go so i did so you mentioned outer world did you beat out outer worlds as well this is a heartbreaking story i <laughs> put like 70 hours in the outer worlds and I was on the very last mission with like a full crew. I had like a romance going, I had all this great gear. I loved it. I was like super into the game and I got a, a file corrupting bug going into the last oh, mission. Oh no. And it was unrecoverable. And none of my, the, the only like save file that I had that would work had put me back like 20 hours and i just i just said i'm done i can't do this oh no 
Yeah. And I read that online. I immediately went to the internet and, and saw that like that was a thing that was that had happened to people. People were writing about it on forums oh, wow. and stuff. So I never finished. <laughs> I literally went into the last oh, mission no. to like wrap up the story. And I don't to this day, I might have like watched the YouTube synopsis of like what happens at the end but it's i didn't even keep it in my mind i just yeah it sucked it's such a bummer because the last mission is where like all of your roosters know, come to roost i know i know, I know. <laughs> and i like i was like oh yeah this is gonna be perfect like i made this choice and this choice and i saved this person and i did this and like and i was waiting for it all to pay off and it never happened so that's my mm. life <laughs> oh, it's so sad <laughs> this is a tragedy <laughs> know, total tragedy man you are an avid gamer what about uh you said you um you mentioned uh what's that called last of us last of us too yeah. do you play that yes oh my god yeah i mean obviously very divisive and polarizing um for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons but i i absolutely loved it and it's actually a game that it's so funny this all comes kind of full circle when we were early in the editing and go don't go and we had to use temp score and soundtrack we used the temp soundtrack of the original last of us oh nice because mm. it's just like incredible and like definitely sells you that vibe and there's like that very twangy banjo and and um so that's a move that's a, a game that was also like a huge inspiration on us and uh me and my editor were just for years ha were obsessed with the last of us two coming out and wanting to play it and and uh and i yeah i i, I understand a lot of the things that maybe people didn't like about it and i understand the idea of you know midway through the game ha having to play as a character that you spent 10 hours hating Hmm. and and i understand you know the some of the choices that they made at the beginning uh in regards to joel maybe not being super favor favorable but for me i had never in my life played a game that caused me to like think about my own morality and like come face to face with the way a video game made me feel as like a person and have to like struggle with those choices and the game purposefully made you feel uncomfortable and purposely f made you hate it at times i mean i remember it uh, not to spoil the game but at the at the very end there's kind of a final fight in the water uh and in the ocean and uh, I'm sitting there playing it. And I literally at one point halfway through this fight, I just put my controller down and I just said, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't <laughs> want to be controlling this person to kill this other person. I don't want to. And I just put the, put the controller down and just sat there wow. for like five minutes. And I was hoping that like it would be one of those secret Easter eggs where like if you don't touch any buttons for five minutes, you're going <laughs> to they're going to like not you don't have to kill this person and like they're going to squ squash it and, and you're going to get some other ending and it didn't happen. And it's sitting oh. there and the game's just sitting there being like, no, dude, like you, this is this is what this story is like, you have to pick this controller back up and you have to push these buttons 
and you're going to have to do something you don't want to do here and you have to deal with that and i had like a really crazy like emotional visceral reaction to that whole kind of experience um and i thought it really just did did some things uh that not a lot of games had kind of ever done to me as far as just my connection and how kind of enthralled i was and and that kind of push and pull so all right, so Last of Us 2 versus Cyberpunk. Oh, Last of Us 2 all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's there you have it from the expert. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah, the 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 moral quandary I, I experienced, I haven't played Last of Us 2 yet. I uh, just haven't had a PlayStation in a while, but um, but I'll be getting a 5 and playing it for sure. Yeah. Um, but, but Fallout 4 kind of got me in that position where you have no other choice but to betray some friends and uh i had to stop i've stopped playing the game for several days just to mull over who yeah. do i want to betray and you know even firmly in my decision going into the um i think they were called like the underground or something and like killing all of these freedom fighters that I have been working for and loving. Like I, I had a Dean who was one of them, like as my companion at the time. And he was like my favorite companion I had to kill him and all his buddies mm -hmm. uh, yeah. to move oh forward. In the game. And there's, I don't know, there's a power in that. And I, you know, I think a lot of people with the last of us, some people, they don't play video games for that reason. Like they want to have fun, they want to escape and they want to do, they want to be the superhero and they want to say, you know, whatever it is, save the day. And, and that's fun. And that's much more fun. And I agree that those games are fun, you know? And I think with something like The Last of Us or any game that puts you in a position like that, like those choices and the way that a thing like that can make you feel. And you're like, this is supposed to be fun and entertainment. And this makes me feel like shit. So I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think the people that can fight through that and not just write it off and be okay with having something like that make them feel a certain a way that they maybe didn't want to pay to feel um i think that that's valuable absolutely i i couldn't agree more um you know it kind of kind of had, bears some similarity to music in that you know, some people just want to listen to the happy music yeah. and that's their whole experience. And, uh, you know, if that's, if that's you, then more power to you. But, um, you know, sometimes I want to put on a song that makes me cry and, uh, you know, think more deeply about the pain that we all experience or, you know, or a pain that I experienced. So, you know, put pushing us into those emotional situations, uh, I think it's healthy. I think it's, I think it's good storytelling. And, um, you know, if we're communicating only the positive aspects of our experience to one another, uh, you know, what's the point? Yeah. True. Amen. <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, we are at, we're at an hour, so we're going to wrap this up. This has been such a good time. I'm so yes. glad you were able to come on, Alex. Yeah. Also, you, Sean, and Stephanie. Uh, what a great time <laughs> we had. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, this was great. Really great. Yeah, thanks for having me and all the nice things uh, about the movie and and uh, all of your 
thorough viewing. I think you guys all picked up on a ton of really uh, great stuff that a lot of people may not may miss. So uh, I appreciate that. And yeah, thanks for having me on. It was super fun. Excellent. Well, uh, let me just reiterate to everybody because it has been 45 minutes uh, since we told them you can stream uh, Go, Don't Go on just about every place that you can stream. So preferably like Amazon or Apple um, are, are good places to start Vimeo. So check that out. Check out our website. Subscribe to our calendar if you want to keep abreast of what's going on in the post-apocalyptic world. We will be putting things on the calendar as it comes up. And there's a lot of stuff that we can't announce or talk about in this podcast. Subscribe to this podcast. Every Friday, uh, we, are, we are publishing this. We will do our best to keep you updated on what's going on in this space. And, uh, you know, above all else, stay, stay safe out there and always be ready for the big one. Goodbye. Thanks, guys.